So Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 through 14. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb, standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took it out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals. For thou wast slain and didst purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne of and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them, I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. You may be seated. Well, it's good to see everybody here on this. Good Friday. My name is Mitch Mayer. I'm the lead pastor here at Redeemer. And if this is your first time with us tonight, uh, welcome. Uh, we love the glory of God around here. And we love the gospel of God. The good news that God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world for sinners like you and me. To live for us, to die for us, to rise and to offer to any and to all who will humbly come to him the forgiveness of sins and a relationship with him, a personal relationship with him and the assured hope of eternal life. So we're so glad that you're here. Uh, tonight's a little different because it's Good Friday. It's also a little bit different seating arrangement for sure. Tonight we wanted to highlight the cross and we wanted to highlight the bread and the cup, the body, Jesus said, that was given for us, and the blood of Christ that was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. I went jogging this afternoon and was thinking about what I was going to share tonight, praying through it, and I thought about something that I thought maybe the Lord would have us do. I'm, I'm going to share some words, and then um, Pastor Matt's going to come up and lead us through communion. But before I get to what I want to talk about tonight, I want to read to you from a prayer that Daniel prayed in Daniel chapter 9. His people, the nation of Israel, had sinned against the Lord, and they had been taken into captivity into Babylon for 70 years, and that time was coming to a close, and he was hoping for and anticipating 
God's fulfillment of his promises to allow the people to return. And in that anticipation, he prayed. I want to read his prayer, and and the thing I want you to listen for is how often he confesses the sins of the people. And then when I'm done with this, I want to give us about a minute, just in silence, just before the Lord, to confess sin. Listen to Daniel. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame as it is to this day, to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all of Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away and all the countries to which you have driven them because of their unfaithful deeds which, you, which they have committed against you. Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against you. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings, which he set before us through his servants, the prophets. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice. So the curse has been poured out on us, along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God. For we have sinned against him. Thus he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring on us great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what was done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds, which he has done, but we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as it is this day, we have sinned, we have been wicked. O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, Let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquity of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all those around us. So now, our Lord, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. The the one thing I want us to see is just the humility of Daniel. And the confession of sin before God. Let's just take a a minute in silence. Bow your head and close your eyes if you'd like. 
and just spend some time talking to the Lord and confessing your sins to him, and I will then open us in prayer. Father, we just sang how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turned his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Indeed, Father, we confess that yes, we are wretches in our sin. As Daniel of old, we confess that we have sinned against you. We have turned away from your word and gone our own path. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice cry out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. It was our sin, our rebellion, our wickedness. Lord, we come tonight humbled before you, but those of us who know you through your son Jesus, we come with boldness as well because of the cross. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. And all God's people said, amen. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the cross alone. And he would experience deep humiliation, excruciating pain, Worst of all and most significantly of all, the wrath of God for us because of sovereign love. When the authorities had decided to kill him and Jesus knew what was coming, he went with his disciples to the garden of Gethsemane and he took Peter, James, and John, took them a little further into the garden than he himself went off to pray. Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he went back to Peter, James, and John and found them asleep. Fellas, wake up. Pray. He went off to pray again. And Father, if it's thy will, let this cup pass from me. And he came back to Peter, James, and John, and they were asleep again. Brothers, wake up. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus went off to pray a third time. And he came back, and Peter, James, and John his closest of the twelve, asleep again. He said, fellas, wake up. The time is at hand. 
And Judas, one of the twelve, one of his friends as well, had gone to the Jewish authorities and had struck a deal. You give me some money and I'll give you Jesus of Nazareth. And there they came into the garden. And Judas had said, hey, listen, I won't just point to him, I'll kiss him. The one that I kiss sees him. And so Judas came and kissed the Son of God and delivered him into the hands of those who would destroy him. When the cost of following Jesus became clear to the rest of the disciples, then and there they scattered. Jesus would be hauled off into the night. Peter, mustering up a bit of courage, followed at a distance. Watching as best he could what began to happen to the Son of God. The interrogations, the accusations... And then the suffering begins. And as it does, hey, you were one of them. You're one of the guys that hang out with Jesus, right? No, not me. Sure enough, you're one of those guys. You're a friend of Jesus. No, I don't know the man. Aren't you one of those who follows Jesus? I do not know him. The Bible tells us the third time that he cursed and said, I do not know him. This is the one who had said to Jesus, though all will fall away, not me, not Peter. Peter, you will deny me three times before cock crows. So Peter, James, and John fall asleep on him time and time again. Judas delivers him into the hands of the authorities. All of the disciples scatter when the heat gets turned up. And Peter denies him three times. He will go to the cross alone. And he will experience deep humiliation. They will spit upon him. You ever been spit on? Some of y'all played football like me, and maybe at the bottom of the pile you've been spit on. I know that I have. And it is grotesque. They will mock him. They blindfolded him, and they started to hit him, and they said, hey, prophesy. Who's the one who hit you? You're the son of God, right? I mean, you're, you're the prophet of God. You can tell us. Who is it that hits you? They dressed him in a, in a gorgeous purple robe, the Bible says, mocking him as the king of the Jews. They took a crown of thorns and put it on the king's head, mocking him as the king of the Jews. They stripped him. They hung him to a cross and they put a sign above it, the king of the Jews. Excruciating pain would be added to him. He was slapped. He was punched. This crown of thorns was pressed down into his head. And the Bible says they took a rod and beat it into his head. He would be flogged, scourged, crucified, 
nailed to a cross. It hurt. If you've been around here, you've heard me say we often talk about Jesus dying for us. But if we take the Old Testament imagery of the lamb that was slain, the goats that were slain, the image is not so much of one who died upon a cross. The image is one who was slaughtered on the cross. The deep humiliation, the excruciating pain, but worst of all, and most significantly of all, the wrath of God. In Matthew chapter 20, James and John had come to Jesus and said, hey, when you come into your kingdom, can, can we sit on your right hand and on your left? And Jesus said, are you able to drink the cup which I'm about to drink? And a little bit later, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Peter, James, and John were sleeping, Jesus was praying, Father, if it is thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Are you able to drink the cup which I'm about to drink? Let this cup pass from me. What's the biblical imagery of a cup that Jesus was about to drink? In Jeremiah 25, verse 15, For thus says the Lord, Take this cup of the wine of wrath from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. This cup of the wine of my wrath. In Isaiah 51, verse 17, Rouse yourself, rouse yourself, arise, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the Lord's hand the cup of his anger. The chalice of reeling you have drained to the dregs. From the Lord's hand, the cup of his anger. In Revelation 14, 9 and 10. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Apparently, this cup that Jesus was hoping would be able to pass him by, but nevertheless would be the will of his Father for him to drink was the, accumulated, the accumulation of the fury of God, the Father, against all types of sin. And so, the humiliation was deep. The physical pain was excruciating. But worst of all, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God made him who knew no sin 
to be sin. In Romans chapter 3, we're all familiar with verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then comes verse 24, which I think is maybe the greatest sentence in the whole Bible. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood. Propitiation. That's not a word we use often. It means a satisfaction of wrath. It's not politically correct stuff to talk about. The fury of God's anger. The wrath of God. When we think about Good Friday, when we think about Jesus being slaughtered upon the cross, He was drinking the cup Of the wrath of God. For us. Well, this is where Good Friday gets really good. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. For us. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. On behalf of many. For His people. 1 Peter 3, verse 18. For Christ also died for sins once for all. The just meaning Jesus who was just and righteous, for the unjust, meaning for you and me, His people. In Galatians chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came from heaven's glory, became a man, lived a holy life, and died upon the cross in our place and for our sins, for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. So that the righteousness of Jesus could be imputed to our account so that we might become His children, so that we might become recipients of His Holy Spirit, so we might be reconciled to God, so that we might be adopted into His family. Why is Good Friday called good? Why is the slaughtering of the Son of God good? Because of all the good that it secures for his people. He 
He takes our punishment and declares us righteous. He releases us from the penalty and power of sin. He brings us to God. Love that in 1 Peter 3. For Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. Christ drank the cup of wrath so that we might drink the cup of fellowship with God. Just a bit. We're going to drink a cup. We're going to eat the bread. We're going to share a meal with our Lord. You share meals with those you love and that you're in fellowship with. Good Friday, the death of the Son of God in our place and for our sins is for us. And it was because of sovereign love. You will read your Bible in vain if you read it for looking for the reasons in you why God sent His Son Jesus to die. You'll read it in vain if you're looking for, well, yeah, God knows that I'm a sinner, but He sent Jesus because I'm not that bad of a sinner. Because though I'm a sinner, I'm also a really good guy, and so God sent Jesus to make up for my shortcomings. Yeah, I'm a sinner, but God sent Jesus to die for me because while I'm a sinner, I'm not as bad a sinner as he is or she is. You and I will read the Bible in vain if we are looking for that. God is not impressed with the sinful people. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Rather, why? Where does it come from? This inclination to send one's one and only Son. Where does that come from? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. We formerly walked 
path of rebellion against God. Ephesians 2, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him. The love of God. Where does it come from? You and I didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. The sending of the Son of God to die upon a cross for His people is born of the love of God. Here's a great hymn. Y'all know I love this one. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. Mitch, do your best, but you can't do it. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair, meaning Adam and Eve, they were guilty in their sin, bowed down with care. God gave His Son to win. His erring child He reconciled and pardoned from His sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints' and angels' song. Could we with ink the ocean fill? Imagine that, the ocean filled with ink. And were the skies of parchment made, imagine that, the skies of parchment, of paper. So the, the ocean is filled with ink, and the skies are paper from end to end. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill? Think of every stalk of corn you've ever driven by. Every one of them were a pen. And every man and woman a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Friends, tonight, Good Friday, when we remember the death of the Son of God in our place and for our sins, let us remember the love of God. It is the story of the Bible. If you're here tonight, Redeemer, maybe for the very first time, maybe you're kind of new to the Scriptures. Maybe you've thought for a long time that the Bible is a book of rules. It's a book of a holy God and a sinful people and a list of things to do to earn back His favor. Nothing's further from the truth. This is a book that shines from beginning to end with the love of God. The grace of God. The mercy of God. The kindness of God. It just leaps off the pages. It doesn't sugarcoat things. Indeed, God is holy much more than we know. 
Indeed, we are sinful much more than we know. And that's real stuff. God doesn't just sweep it under the rug. What He does is He comes on a rescue mission for His people to forgive them of all of their sins, to make them His own, to fill them with His Spirit, and to be with them every step of the way until they shall be with Him forever and forever. So tonight, as we take the bread and we take the cup, Let's remember Christ crucified, but let's remember the love of God. Let's pray. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Father, we thank you tonight for your great love with which you loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We bless you tonight in his name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we've spent our time tonight worshiping the Lord this Good Friday and remembering the death of our, of our Savior Jesus. The pain, the humiliation, the, the weight of carrying our sin, your sin, my sin, the sins of the world. We remembered that and as Pastor Mitch has instructed us, it was the love of God that drove him to that cross course, we don't have to wait to Good Friday to remember the death of Jesus in our place. We can remember that anytime. We can remember it as we um, read our Bibles, as we listen to a song. You can remember it as you uh, look at a cross on a, on a piece of jewelry or perhaps on a building, perhaps in your home. We can remember the death of Jesus any day, and we should. But when we come together as the family of God, as the local church, as the brothers and sisters, um, together as a church family, Jesus has called us to remember him in a very special way, through a meal. It's kind of interesting, right? You, you, what's, what's the deal about a meal? Why would you use that as an instrument to call our minds, our thoughts, together. Well, it speaks of a few things. It speaks of the fact that, that Jesus, his death, his um, blood shed for us, it, it fills us, it nourishes us, it gives us life. Just like the food that we must eat to, to give our body strength and give us nourishment, the blood of Jesus gives us life. The, the meal also is a, a picture of fellowship. And the fellowship that we have with God the Father as his children coming together around the table to celebrate and to remember Jesus, his body, his blood given for us. And so at this meal, 
we remember Jesus. As the scriptures say, Now when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles were with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Tonight, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we'll do it family style. And so, uh, there won't be people who will come and pass around the cup and the, and the bread to you. We invite you to this table. The worship team will sing a song, and when you're ready, you can come. You can come and, and, and take the bread, take the cup, and you can take the elements right here if you'd like to go back to your seat and have a moment of reflection and perhaps maybe with your son or your daughter or your children, just maybe explain a little bit about what's going on and then take it together and maybe even have a, a small prayer together. But we invite you to this table to remember Jesus. And so let me pray. And we will remember our, our Lord Jesus. What amazing grace. What an amazing love. What an amazing gift of life that you gave to us, Lord Jesus. It makes us shudder to, to think that you went to that cross with us on your mind. You went to that cross in obedience to the Father as an act of your great love, knowing that your death was not for your own sin, it was for ours. That your body that was pierced and, and abused, your blood that was shed and poured out, was not as a consequence for your own sin. It was for ours. Thank you for giving yourself for us that we might, who deserve to die, we might have life in your name. And Jesus, as we take this bread, as we take this cup, just like in that upper room so many years and years ago, we recognize that it points to you and we remember you. Be glorified in us, your children, as we remember and as we worship. Amen. that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? For me who him to death pursued? <laughs>
amazing love. How can it be? That thou, my God, it's die for me. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite, his grace. Emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free. For oh my God, it found out me. No condemnation now I fear, or now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my risen head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim my God, my Christ, my own. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. That dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Ere since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be. Till I die. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gains I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life soul, my all. Last one. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as a flood, where the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Who his love will not remember? Who can cease to sing his praise? He will never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. Who his love will not remember? Who can cease to sing his praise? He will never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. May it be so of us. May we never forget the great love of God through his son, Jesus Christ.
I'd like you to bow your head, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to guide you at least through one prayer, and we'll be done. What I'd like you to do is, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Tonight, we've remembered the death of Jesus Christ in our place and for our sins. And on Sunday, we will remember his victorious resurrection from the dead. We will celebrate Easter. We will sing to him and we will will proclaim his word of his victory over death. And you're, you're sitting in a chair right now. There's a chair next to you. There's a, to your right, to your left. Maybe there's a chair in front of you, a chair behind you. There's all chairs all down your row. I'm going to give you a moment, and I'd just like to ask you to pray for people to fill those chairs on Sunday morning. Your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, people who've driven by and seen the banners out front, maybe people who've looked onto our website, maybe seen some things on Facebook. Would you just pray that God would bring people here on Sunday who need to hear of Jesus and his love. And now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only God, be honor and glory forever and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. You are loved. If you're here tonight and all of this talk of Jesus Christ and his love for you is something new to you, and you'd like to talk more about that, please come and see me. I would love to visit. You are dismissed. Have a great weekend. I hope to see you on Sunday morning.